0: Do you like this show and want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, then head over to patreon.com nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Programs and welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins, and my name is Derek Diamond. So, Derek, how has your week been, my friend?
1: Well, I got my voice back, so hey. that's a that's a plus. It, it's funny because on uh, Monday morning, I was you know getting ready for work because I've been basically toughing it out. Like I haven't been feeling that great, but. I didn't want to burn any more vacation days. (laughs) So I was getting ready Monday morning and I was just like coughing like crazy. And I just coughed up like all this mucus and everything. And all of a sudden I was like, hey, I can talk again. (laughs) Sweet.
0: Yeah, I went through an entire round of antibiotics to get through my uh, sludge. And finally, I'm actually feeling okay.
1: Yeah, I'm still not 100 percent like I'm still I've still got the cough and still been coughing stuff up a little bit, but overall feeling much, much better. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm uh... should be what should be fun because we were talking before we started. I'm actually going to Minnesota Mm. later on this week and it's going to be quite cold. So (laughs) chances are I might get sick again uh see what
0: happens you said it was what gonna be one degree and that was gonna be the high on
1: saturday yeah (laughs) high of one degree
0: have fun with that
1: (laughs) i'll be indoors most of the time or at least i hope pretty much all the time (laughs) uh
0: one thing i did want to bring up uh, about our patreon um i just wanted to give a shout out to our patreon supporters uh daniel salmon uh justin Olson, and thad smith thank you guys um I just want to let everybody know that if you go over to Patreon, there's lots of tiers for you to uh, support the show and let everybody know again that if we get back up to the $50 level, which we were at for a little bit, we do extra episodes every month. So if you would like to have an extra episode every month where we do either an audio commentary track to a retro movie or we do sort of a roundtable sort of thing. So if if you want that, then you're going to have to go and get us back up to the $50 level. So get us back up there, and we will do an extra episode every month for you guys. So that should be some incentive to get out there and uh, get people to throw us some cash, um, even if it's just a dollar a month. You know That'll help a lot.
1: Some cash. Some cash. Some cold, hard cash. It's funny you mention that because I truly think that our – our bonus episode we did for Patreon, the Mario Brothers commentary, yes. I think is my favorite episode we've ever done for this show. <laughs> uh, but th- we
0: we would do more of it if you guys would just get us back exactly. up to the fifty dollar level. So go go throw us a dollar a month. You won't even miss it. It's just a buck, and that will get us back up to that level, so we can give you guys the extra episodes. But other than that, let's go ahead and move into the news. What do you say?
1: Let's do it. Our first story comes to us from nintendolife.com. As a reminder, Zelda Two and Blaster Master hit Switch today, plus two new special edition NES games. Which actually has been almost a week now, but (laughs) we're a little late on the story. Yeah, but it's all good. Just in case it had slipped your mind, we've once again reached the time of the month when Nintendo updates the Nintendo Switch Online Services selection of NES games. A total of four new offerings have arrived, or five if you're in Japan. So let's get stuck in. The two main editions this month are Blaster Master and Zelda: 2 the Adventure of Link, Ooh. which Nintendo pre right, <laughs> which Nintendo previously confirmed last week. Elsewhere, SP or special editions of two previously released games have also appeared, with Ghost and Goblins and Ninja Gaiden joining the lineup. The Ghost and Goblins SP throws you straight in at stage 6 of the game, and Ninja Gaiden puts you right before the climax of stage 6-4. Um, I, I,
0: Blaster Master is a great addition. I think everybody should play Blaster Master. It's a, one of the best NES games you can play. Uh, as far as Zelda two, I think I've let my feelings on that game be known. I don't like it. I don't care. I'm never going to play it on the Switch. As far as the SP kind of uh, games, the special editions, I I don't really dig them all that much. I would rather have regular editions of games.
1: I was actually about to ask you about that, because I played through the SP edition of um, Legend of Zelda, and they give you a good majority of the weapons already. Like, you have the first um, tunic upgrade. You have... um, Let's see, you don't have the Silver Arrow you have the white sword, you still have to get the magical one. But for the most part, you already have pretty much everything. And I think you you also have all of the um the heart containers that you get that you don't get by defeating bosses. Yeah. So, you're you're kind of like you start from the very beginning, but you're already kind of already powered up, which is it was kind of cool in a way, but I also like, you know, starting completely from scratch.
0: I don't know. I just kind of feel like they're filler, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, why why do that when you can uh, release games more frequently or yeah. start putting out some SNES games? Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, and up for our next story, this also comes from NintendoLife.com. Nintendo is seeking experienced manager to help grow Switch Online service. Nintendo of America has posted a job listing on its career page, seeking an experienced manager who can help grow and develop Nintendo's online subscription service on the Switch. It is based in Redmond, Washington, at the company's American headquarters. Uh, The description said, We are looking for an experienced manager who can lead and drive Nintendo's online subscription service. This is an opportunity for the successful candidate to help grow an emerging part of Nintendo's core business and a lead a cross-functional team of stakeholders across the organization to align on priorities and execute with excellence." This role will be responsible for managing the Nintendo Switch Online service operations and drive the program priorities, execution, and business objectives. So, what do you think? Um, Should I put in my application or. I
1: was going to say, if I were you, I'd be like, all right, I'll do it. Fine.
0: Uh, What we need is someone who will get in there and be like, yeah, we need to release more Nintendo games, more Super Nintendo games. Let's really kick this uh Nintendo Switch online into overdrive and just, make more incentive for people to drop twenty dollars a year.
1: I mean twenty dollars a year is still a great deal, but at the same time they just they've gotta jump start this thing. Four yeah. games a month is just not enough.
0: I'll be honest, I dropped twenty dollars and it really hasn't paid off yet no. for me. So no, it really know.
1: hasn't. You know, so whoever they hire, I hope will will have that in mind. And yeah. that needs to be this switch online needs to be a top priority for Nintendo in 2019.
0: Yeah, I think so. It really does because I mean even though it is only $20 a year, it still doesn't feel worth it right now.
1: And no. I don't know. I'm kind of getting worried. Yeah. But we'll have to see what happens. Our next story comes to us from AndroidPolice.com. Sega updates Golden Axe Classic, now includes Golden Axe 2 and 3. Back in August of 2017, Sega releases a Sega Forever title called Golden Axe Classic on the Android. Today, that Play Store release has been updated to include Golden Axe 2 and 3, and an S has been added to the end of the title, so now that it's now appropriately called Golden Axe Classics. A small distinction, but also a significant addition to the app that I'm sure any fan of the Golden Axe series will be excited to see. Uh, Let's see. Uh, You may be asking yourself how well these games control on a touchscreen, and the answer is sadly not Hmm. all that well. The games were designed for precise controls, which is difficult to pull off on a touchscreen. And despite the description on the Play Store that claims HID controllers are supported, it would appear that the emulator used for those classic games still doesn't work correctly on that front since none of my HID controllers actually work with the game. Nothing new for a Sega Forever release, but definitely something to keep in mind. That's something I've always been kind of iffy on with
0: yeah. with
1: most games that are ported over to smartphones. They're not the same without a traditional controller. Yeah. I want to say Secret of Mana was released on a smartphone, and I can't imagine playing that game on a touchscreen.
0: Yeah, I... I... I have no interest to play any kind of games on my phone. I guess, you know, back in the day I did play some uh, Angry Birds and things like that, but I'm not into playing games. I don't have any games loaded on my phone. Like, I don't play games on my phone. I guess I'm just not a target audience for any of this kind of stuff.
1: I mean, I played Mario Maker, or not Mario Maker, but... Um, Mario Run, or whatever it was called. Mario, Super Mario Run, yeah, for the uh, for the smartphone. And I've got, like, Tetris and one or two other games on it, but I don't really play them that often. I mean, I, when I use my smartphone, I use it for phone calls, texting. text, email, <laughs> yeah. and, like, social media stuff. Same with me. Like, and I don't that's really, really about it. I guess I'm just old. <laughs> Same. Uh, But no, I I just don't, I don't see, I don't see how these games work on a smartphone.
0: Uh, You have to have a a traditional D-pad controller, buttons, you know, Uh, I just, I have no interest to play these type of games on a phone.
1: Side note, uh, we have Joey Image in the chat room, Super Mario Run is a really fun game. It, It was. I really enjoyed Mario Run when I played it.
0: Hello, Mr. Image. Uh, Let's see. All right. This is the last story. It's not much of a story. It's just I I wanted to bring it up because I remember playing this game in the arcade. And this is from Kotaku.com. Sega's holographic arcade game was pretty strange. Uh, Holograms. The word immediately makes uh, you think of cool sci-fi movies and not so cool real world tech like reviving a dead musician and making them dance around a stage. But back in 91, Sega was using holograms for a more noble purpose, creating an arcade game about ta- a time-traveling cowboy. Simply titled Time Traveler, also known as Hologram Time Traveler, is an arcade game that uses a laser disc and plays a lot like Dragon's Lair, which makes sense. Time Traveler was designed by Dragon's Lair creator Rick Dyer. When it was released, Sega described the game as the world's first holographic video game. Uh, it's the Same kind of gameplay as Dragon's Lair, where you watch a video and at certain points you have to hit buttons wherever there's flashing on the screen, that type of thing. Um And it technically, it isn't really a hologram. Instead, Time Traveler uses an optical illusion to display what appears to be holograms. What's actually happening is that a hidden CRT is reflecting onto a large curved mirror. Regardless, it looks remarkably crisp and cool. Um, and I do remember playing this game <clears throat> in the arcade, and I thought it was awesome because it kind of... Was weird looking. Like it actually looked like holograms on this like little dome that you looked into. Um, and maybe even Joey Image no, uh, played the game. <clears throat> but, um, but I remember it was expensive to play back in the day. <clears throat> you know, you're talking early 90s. Excuse me for one second.
1: As Jason hits <sighs> his cough button.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember it was like a dollar to play this game. Back when I was a kid, you know, back in '91, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but a dollar was, you know, pretty hefty price to play for a video game, especially when you, you know, you go to the mall, and you, you know, your mom gives you a fiver to go to the, yeah. the arcade with. You're not gonna drop a whole dollar into the video no. game. It had to really be something special to drop a dollar into it. But, um, but I did play this a couple of times. It was, you know, like, like I said, it was a lot like um, Dragon's Lair. And um, I really don't like that. I don't really want to call it a video game because it wasn't really a video game and it was expensive. But I would like to actually have one of these machines like I think it would be cool to have just because it it really did look like a hologram you were playing.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing about this game, but never, never tried it out. It looks awesomely bad.
0: Yeah. It, oh, it's terrible. But it's really cool. When when you look into this kind of like it's weird. It's like this little dome that you looked into and you would see like, you know, the little cowboy and like like you see the there's like a gif going on here with a cowboy shooting a uh a caveman and there's like these shapes in the background and like all kind of weird stuff going on. And it was happening like right there in front of you. And it was awesome, but it was just way too expensive.
1: Joey says, Oh my God is the game with the 3d characters and cubes and things. I remembered when you said (laughs) dome. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, (laughs)
0: that's exactly it. It had, it was such a weird game, but I would love to have one of these. I wonder if there are any working Uh, time-traveler games out there anywhere.
1: There's got to be one out there somewhere. has to be. Yeah, yeah, there absolutely has to be.
0: Um, Let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, Let me pull up the thing here. Uh, In January of 1983, Apple Computer releases the Apple IIe, which becomes their most popular 8-bit machine. And I think any child of the 80s knows the Apple IIe.
1: It's a classic-looking, early 80s Apple product. I, I never had one, but I I know that look very, very well.
0: Played a lot. I, I died of dysentery a lot on those. Uh, the Apple IIe.
1: <laughs> Did you know there's an Oregon Trail board game? Is there? That sounds fun. Well, it's like a board-slash-card game. I, I played it uh, on New Year's Eve. A lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. I, I didn't know they were still making uh, Oregon Trail products.
1: Yeah, I um, I broke my leg, or my character broke my leg, (laughs) and I was uh, I was eventually left behind and then died. Yeah,
0: it's always fun
1: as as the uh, (laughs) Joey
0: image says. Oregon Trail board game board (laughs) B O R E D.
1: (laughs) Fair. January twenty fourth of nineteen eighty four, Apple Inc. announces the original one hundred twenty eight k floppy disk only macintosh the very first mac
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'd love to have one of those uh, i'm pretty sure they're probably expensive to find
1: oh yeah no i'm i would love to have one of these just as like a display because i i love the mid to early 80s look of technology mm-hmm. i think i think that's why i like uh the original tron so much like i love the look of it yeah i love the just the way all the computers and everything look, it's, it's great. I miss 80s future tech. <laughs> right? I uh, love it. Uh, in January of
0: 1987, Data East releases Karnov. As a character created by Data East, Karnov was reintroduced in several other games from the company, including Bad Dudes vs. Dragon Ninja, in which he is a boss on the first level. He later appeared in the 1994 Neo Geo game Karnov's Revenge. This game, also known as Fighter's History Dynamite, is not a sequel to the original Karnov, but to Fighter's Fighter's History, a competitive one-on-one fighter in which Karnov is the final boss. Now, I know Karnov and I know bad dudes, but I never played uh, Fighter's History um, or Fighter's History Dynamite.
1: Yeah, I haven't played those either. I I know we've talked about Karnov on the show before. I want to review Karnov. I need to actually (laughs) get a copy of it. And you've reviewed Bad Dudes as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Bad Dudes is awful, but it's awful good, if that makes any sense. It's one of those bad games that's still fun to play.
1: Yeah. Uh, Let's see. On January 2nd, 1988, Electronic Arts releases Wasteland. Wasteland. Do I remember Wasteland?
0: I do not. Uh, It looks like a library or something.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, The game is set in a futuristic post-apocalyptic America destroyed by nuclear holocaust generations before. Hmm. Looks kind of cool. Yeah, let's see. It's a... What type of game is it? It was made for the Apple II, ported to Commodore 64 and MS-DOS. It is available on Steam. Oh.
0: oh. If you're interested in that, go head over to Steam. Probably pick it up yeah. for like a $1.99 or something.
1: Yeah, just skimming through it, I don't see... Uh, oh, game mechanics are based on those used in the tabletop role-playing games such as Tunnels and Trolls and Mercenaries, Spies, and Private Eyes.
0: Uh, Joey says fighters history was hard, and that his rich friend had a Neo Geo. And I remember he said they were $800 for the console and 250 to $300 for the games that were the size of a VHS tape. I remember seeing advertisements for Neo Geos, like in the back of uh comic books and stuff, and uh, all the video game magazines I used to get as a kid, and would just dream of having a Neo Geo because, like, back then. You know, eight hundred bucks for a console. I mean, adjusted for inflation, that's probably like two grand. Can you imagine playing like two grand for any type of gaming console? No. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, on January fifth of nineteen eighty-eight, Shareware game The Adventures of Captain Comic is one of the first NES-style scrolling platformers for the PC, setting the stage for a subsequent shareware platformer boom.
1: This is, This looks like a game that I would have played back in the day. Oh, absolutely. Had I heard of it. Oh, I mean, just the fun. name, Captain Comic, is pretty badass.
0: I really dig the uh, weird cover art for
1: it, too. I do, too. Yeah, let's see. Captain Comic's on a mission to the planet. Tommy. Yeah, I mean, it's. it looks like a platformer game where you just have to collect certain artifacts. So, I mean, it's <laughs> standard platformer. I like it. But, yeah, I dig it. Let's see. January 8th of 1988, Konami releases Super Contra.
0: One of the hardest games
1: ever. (laughs) God, that brochure is amazing. Oh,
0: look at that. Oh, that's amazing. I want that That on my wall. Somebody definitely uh, ripped off Rambo and uh, Commando for that, that cover art.
1: Someone was big into the pop culture scene, especially (laughs) movies at that time.
0: That's fantastic. If there's anything on planet Earth that screams 80s, it's that. Yeah. Like if anybody asked me, some kid asked me like, what was the 80s light like? I would just show them this.
1: I just love the tagline. He's not human. He's not not alien. alien. He's He's the the predator. predator. (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. Uh, That's great.
0: Uh, To round us out for this month in video game history, in January of 1990, Konami releases Top Gun The Second Mission, released in Japan as Top Gun Duel Fighters. It's the second Top Gun game produced by Konami for the NES. It was released in Japan on December 15th, 1989, in North America in January 1990, and in Europe and Australia on October 24th, 1991. It's crazy how far apart these release dates were. Back in the 80s and 90s for video games like it would there would be like a year or two apart from, you know, the North American and European versions. And now it's just everything's a worldwide release, everything.
1: Yeah, I even remember in the 90s when, you know, Japan seemed like would get games first, then we would get them Mm -hmm. in a month or two later you know, like the UK would get them.
0: Then there would be games that would be advertised like in Nintendo power and you get all excited for, and then it would never get a North American release and you'd be like, what the hell?
1: Uh, Nintendo likes the tease. Yes, they do. I will throw one more out there just because I, I saw this on Facebook the other day. I, yeah, yesterday was the 20 year anniversary of the original super smash brothers wow for the n64 i was like shit i feel old already <laughs> yep <laughs> came out in january of 99
0: oh i saw something earlier today um because i love slipknot the band and yeah. their first album came out in 99 really like 20 years ago
1: <laughs> i thought they were older than that
0: well, they are. I mean, the band is, but their first album came out. Their first major label album came out in 99. They're self-titled Slipknot.
1: That's crazy. I know. 20 years ago. I thought ago. their album came out in like 96 or 97. Mm-mm. No, 99. God,
0: I'm so old. I hate it. Wow. Wow. But tonight, I'm going to be talking about... had a hard time trying to pick what music I wanted to play for the intro of uh, this review because it's all good. Every mm-hmm. bit of it is good. And um, this was the most kind of, uh, I guess, moodiest of the themes. Um, I don't remember which area the, uh, I got this from. But um, some of my favorite th- the music in the game sounded almost like Asian-inspired if that makes any sense, like some of the, uh, I think, Star levels had a very Asian flair to the music, and it's all so good. And uh, the composer was Kenji Yamamoto and uh, Minako Hamano, and those guys knocked it out of the park, man um but the music we're talking about is from Super Metroid. It's an action-adventure game developed and published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in 1994. It is the third installment in the Metroid series following the events of the Game Boy game Metroid 2 Return of Samus, which we talked about last week. Players control bounty hunter Samus Aran, who travels to planet Zebes to retrieve an infant Metroid creature stolen by the space pirate leader Ridley. It was released through Nintendo's Virtual Console in 2007 and is part of the Super NES Classic Edition microconsole in 2017. One thing I learned about this game over the past week is... <clears throat> I don't know why this wasn't more of a favorite game when I was younger. Because I loved the, the first Metroid game. And I did play this as a kid. I rented it a couple times, but I never bought this game. But I don't know. There's something about playing it now as a, you know, an older gamer with lots of nostalgia <clears throat> and... I can't believe how good this game still is. Like, it is unbelievably good still.
1: Yeah, I, I've briefly been playing it, you know, because I I grew up, you know, I, I didn't play the original Metroid when it first came out. This was actually the first game that introduced me to the franchise. I remember watching my uncle play it, and then I tried to play it, was not nearly as good at it as he was, <laughs> uh, as as I learned the hard way. Uh, but even back then, you know, the thing that really stood out to me was just how great of an overall game that this is. It's got the right look, and the graphics still hold up to this day. It's one of the yeah. best looking Super Nintendo games on the entire console. Oh yeah, hands it's, down. It's got solid story. It's got great gameplay. The soundtrack is awesome. It's just a great, well-rounded game.
0: Uh, and just to talk a little bit about um, the, the story, uh, it does take place immediately after Metroid 2, the return of Samus. Uh, after She brings the, the Metroid, who thinks that Samus is its mother. Uh, she brings the larva to the Sarah's space colony for study. Uh, she receives a distress call. She returns to find the scientist dead and the larva stolen by Ridley, leader of the Space Pirates. Samus escapes from the colony and follows Ridley to the planet Zebes. She searches the planet for the larva and finds that the Space Pirates have rebuilt their base there, which is where the first game took place. Um, this game starts off with a bang. Like, uh, going after the the Metroid... Ridley shows up and basically shows you how outmatched you really are, <laughs> as far as firepower and stuff. And of course, you have to make an escape from, uh, you, you know, the the from the the actual space station or where the you know the, uh, the the space colony was. And then you make your way to the planet, and just it's a Metroid game. You you. It's lots of exploration, lots of power ups um you know i what can I say? It's just it's a beautiful game. it plays great. My only uh real um complaint with the game is the the wall jump mechanic that you have to do a lot is it's very loosey goosey and it's not quite what it needs to be. It needs to be a little more. I don't know, I want to feel a little more stickiness to the wall before you jump off because it's really, it's more of just a guessing game of when to, you know, hit the button
1: and jump off the wall. It's it's really not that great. Well, it's like if you're slightly off the wall, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. You're just going to drop. The, the, it, the same thing happens with, with Metroid Fusion, which I've been learning that the hard way as well.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then last night I was playing, I had, uh, where I'm at in the game right now, I have defeated Crocomire, which is a a cool game mechanic. Uh, You basically have to push. He looks like a big red crocodile sort of creature, and you have to basically shoot him in the mouth every time his mouth opens. And the boss battles in this game, just, they are, they just they're almost like a a testament to what the Super Nintendo was capable of as far as pushing the graphics and the animation of everything like you you push this you know crokamy into the lava and then down at the bottom, I didn't know this, but you run back the other way and then he pops out behind a wall like his after you know all of his uh flesh has been taken off by the lava. You actually see the bubbles of him moving underneath the lava to go behind the wall and then his giant skeleton comes crashing down and it's awesome. And then I saved the game at that point and then I went on for about another 30 to 40 minutes uh, going and collecting more power-ups and I finally got the the x-ray vision uh, power-up and immediately after that, I wasn't paying attention to my energy meters and I died wiping out about 30 to 40 minutes of, <laughs> of gaming and collecting power ups. And I almost vomited at that point because Super Metroid is ridiculously large game and very I love the map system in this game, though it's it's. It's easy to get lost if you're not constantly looking at the map, but you, it is much better than the first game as far as being able to recognize like landmarks of where you've been, so you don't really need to use the map all that much once you, because there's there is a good bit of backtracking in the game to go you know certain places get there's certain items of course like in the first game where you can't get certain items uh like energy tanks and things like that going certain doors until you get the power ups which there's a lot of power ups in this game as far as you know missiles super missiles uh the grappling hook was a new addition in this game which is great i love mm-hmm. I, I have fun using the grappling hook um and i don't know there's just this is a masterpiece of gaming and it actually jumps up to probably above super mario world to me on the sup- as far as how much fun i'm playing having playing this game on the super nintendo
1: that's a heck of a statement
0: i mean it's great there's not much to complain about with it
1: yeah i mean and, and backtracking is to backtrack on backtracking um, that's kind of a staple with all the Metroid games, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you even do that with the newer games like Metroid prime. When you get a power up, you have to go back and whether it's to feed a boss or find a power up that you couldn't get to before. So that, I think that's why having the map is so important. So that's yeah. why we've been saying, if you play a Metroid game, have a map mm-hmm. and use a walkthrough because you're going to have to do a lot of backtracking and yeah. You know, and it's something that's been great with the newer games is they actually have a map on the pause screen, but I like having, you know, whether it's up on my computer or whatever. I like having like a reference thing that I can go to. Um and
0: also one of the best additions to this game uh, as far as the power-ups go is the super run or whatever it's called. Uh I can't remember the exact name of the power-up, but you can basically just run really fast Mm -hmm. busting through like all the barriers like, and then you can do like a super jump at the end of like hit the the jump button and you will just like launch, you know, like these crazy distances or straight up into the game to, to reach places that you wouldn't normally be able to, to reach without, without the, that super speed boost. And that's one of the most satisfying things I've ever done in a video game is to just hit that speed boost. No, it's great. And bust it's- through barriers. Like, you know what it reminds me of? Have you ever played Pac-Man Championship Edition? I have not. Um, well, if you play Pac-Man Championship Edition, <clears throat> you can... There's, uh, I mean, each map you'll have, like, you know, you you can... Have like uh, dozens of ghosts following you, and you like collect all these ghosts running behind you, and then you hit the the you know the Pac Man power but power whatever it is, and then you can eat all the ghosts, and it's just like and it's like the most satisfying thing ever, and that's exactly what the the Metroid speed boost reminds me of. It's like that same feeling of like when you're bashing through walls and shit. It's awesome.
1: No, it's, it's a great feeling, and even with, like, using the grappling beam, when you get something like that the first time you use it, you're like, oh, my God, this yeah. makes so much easier. <laughs> uh,
0: but, man, the, the Kraid fight, like, all the boss fights are, they're not that difficult, but they are, you have to have a lot of, the more patience you have, the easier the fights are. Like, if you try to go in guns blazing, you're just going to get killed. That, that's yeah. all there is to it. But once you learn the mechanics of the boss fights, they're super easy. And um, it's another thing. Like the, the further along in this game that you get and the more weapons you get, the more powerful you start to feel throughout the game. And that's the, one of the best things about the game is you get to a point where you just feel like you're almost invincible. Fighting some of this stuff, yeah, no, so, for sure. Did you get to play any of it this week? You said you were gonna gonna play some before we talk. I tonight. played,
1: I played a little bit of it, not not nearly to the extent that you have, but I I, I have played through some of it. Yes,
0: um, but I am pretty far into the game. I'm not quite sure how far I am. I would say I'm probably about sixty five percent finished with it at this point. I am going to finish it this week um if not this week then next week um because i'm having a blast playing this game like it is yeah. it is up there in my top 5 super nintendo games like this is one of if you have to have 5 games for the super nintendo this is on that 5 list
1: yeah i i don't disagree with that you know i i think when you When you throw out the name Super Nintendo, the games that instantly come to mind are Link to the Past, Mario World, probably Super Mario Kart, Mm -hmm. and I'd throw Super Metroid up there as well.
0: And some of the other stuff that they added into this game that I I just wanted to touch on were, were... you know, save areas that uh, there's a lot of, uh, to be able to save your progress. And sometimes you can get stupid like I did and not save your progress for like 30 or 45 minutes and then accidentally die and have to go back to your last save point. But they did, uh, you know, there's a lot of hidden areas where you can go in and you can completely fill up your energy And it's like these little docks that you go up to and you stick your arm into and you can completely fill up your energy, your missiles and all that kind of stuff. So if you know you're about to head into a boss fight or whatever, you know, uh, you can kind of maybe backtrack if you kind of made a mental note or look on your map to find out where these places are. Go back and fill up your energy tanks and your missiles and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of stuff was a really nice addition to this game.
1: Yeah, no, I I would definitely agree with that, and that's that's something that every you know sequel should do is add little elements like that that make the the whole experience better.
0: Uh, let's see something about the music. The uh, music for Super Metroid was composed by Kenji Yamamoto and Minako Hamano, and uses 16-bit versions of music from previous games. The SNES sound hardware allowed the use of recorded sounds simultaneously on eight channels. As opposed to three PSG channels and one noise channel of the NES, uh, Yamamoto decided that rich and expressive sounds, such as a female chorus, would be required to portray the setting realistically. He composed the main theme while humming, uh, by humming while riding his motorcycle from work, um, and I, that's something I, like I talked about before. Uh, at the beginning, was trying to pick what music I was going to use to go into this segment. It was hard to pick. I mean, I sat here and listened to every single track from the game last night, over and over, trying to figure out which track I wanted to use. And it's just so awesome. It just sets the mood of the game perfectly.
1: It does. It has one of the best overall soundtracks from really any game you know, on that console. Like You can really say that just about every track is good. They're all which great. Which is nice.
0: All of them. And another cool thing about this game, and I don't know if anybody else... Uh, I know everybody else has probably seen this, that's played the game. Whenever you die, the animation of Samus' death... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like the the suit explodes off of her, and for like a split second, you see her in her bikini. Yeah, as she dies, I'm like, "Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy!" Like the just the amount of detail that was put into this game. Like, you know, like I have been following basically a, a walkthrough, and um, doing a little bit of exploring. As I'm going through the walkthroughs and just finding stuff that's like not even in the walkthrough, like energy tanks and, and missiles hid like hid little hidden areas here and there, and I'm just like, man, the the amount of work and programming that was put into this game to put all the detail in it. I mean, you just look at the graphics alone on this game. It's probably one of the best looking, other than Legend of Zelda, it's probably those these two games are probably the two best looking games on the Super
1: Nintendo. No I agree with that hundred percent. For 16 bit graphics, the detail and the, there's one screen cap on the Wikipedia page. You can just see like the water, the subtlety and the background, mm-hmm. the detail on the rocks. It's just a great looking sixteen bit game, and that graphic style still holds up to this day. And this came out in what ninety four. Yeah, and so that's so as, you, this game
0: could have been released today, and it would it would it could look exactly the same and still be just as as impactful. Like just the the visual of this game, like it it's it's completely stands the test of time. I mean, this game's gonna look great a hundred years from now.
1: This is the 25 year anniversary of this game. Oh,
0: uh, why'd you tell me that?
1: <laughs> we would have found out eventually for this month in gaming oh, history. Oh man,
0: that makes me feel so old. No. It's okay.
1: I feel old too. Eh, I don't like it.
0: <laughs> it's all right. Um, but I, I honestly, I could gush about this game all night, but I. I I don't know what else to say. I mean, I would just sit here and just gush over it all night. It looks great. It sounds great. The The controls are damn near perfect. The only only thing I have a complaint about is the wall jump. If it would have been more like uh, Batman's wall jump on you know the original Batman game for the NES, if it would have been more like that, this would be an absolute perfect game. If not for that one little thing.
1: Well, every game's got to have its little flaw. Even the really good ones.
0: I guess so. Uh, But let's see what's... uh, Nintendo Power mentioned that the game may well be the best action-adventure game ever. Uh, Praised the game's graphics, sound, and controls, while their only negative comment was even 100 megabits of Metroid wouldn't be enough. Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave Super Metroid their Game of the Month award... Uh, see, they compared it favorably to the original Metroid, applauding the graphics, many weapons and items available. Um, you know, it got some pretty solid uh scores across the board. Um, game rankings, uh, the aggregate score it was 96 percent. Um, most of them are in pretty much the, the 90 percentile. As far as ratings on this game, and you know, it is on the uh, the Super Nintendo Classic. So, if you have a Super Nintendo Classic, you should be playing Super Metroid, uh, hands down. Like this oh, is. I've been playing it. Oh, it's it's so good, and um, that's pretty much all I have to say. I am going to give this game a solid nine point five out of ten. Love it. If they would have exactly had the good, I would give it. They would have had the good wall jump mechanic. It would have been a nine point nine.
1: Because nothing's perfect.
0: Nothing's perfect. <laughs> but that's all, that's Hell pretty much it. all I have to say about it. Unless you got
1: some uh, little nuggets you want to throw in about the game. No, I mean I just agree with everything that you said. You know, it's it holds up well. Everything about it's great. It's a great overall game. It's one that. It would be one of the first games that I would get if I were if I bought a Super Nintendo like now and had to pick five games to play. That would yeah. be one of the first, <clears throat> like it, it's, it's up there on greatest SNES games of all time, absolutely. Oh, yeah, uh, and the, like I said,
0: I don't know why this wasn't higher on my list when I was a kid. Uh, I, I mean, this game was right up my alley. And I just didn't play it all that much, you know, I rented it a few times, I never owned it. I own it now, and as an older gamer like i'm I'm still in awe of how absolutely damn near perfect this game is, and how well it holds up like it's crazy how well this game holds up. The games of that
1: era do well, most of them, but
0: most of them, yeah. not all of them yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, but let's go ahead and start winding this one down. So Derek, anything you want to throw out there as far as the Derek Diamond experience before we get out of here?
1: No, just uh, new episodes come out every Thursday. Uh, this week I'll be talking with a uh, former uh, college schoolmate of our mutual friend, Mr. Steve Wise. Ah. Uh, his name is Kays Altrachi. He is a... Film composer and now a filmmaker, so he'll oh, be my guest him. on the show this week. Um, <laughs> new episodes come out every Thursday. You can check those out uh, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio, and you can follow it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast.
0: And I, I still want to apologize to everybody for uh, sniffling and coughing the entire episode. I'm still. still recovering from the plague
1: (laughs) well we we both are so it's all good
0: um i i really haven't been doing much lately um i do have an, an announcement to make uh as far as a new project that i'm working on which derek knows about but i can't really say anything about it yet just keep an eye uh on the show here i'll announce it uh in the next maybe month or so month month and a half uh, and also keep an eye on my twitter at J and um i'll be streaming some games uh every once in a while uh, during the week so if you want to watch me play old video games badly then go watch me over on twitch at twitch.tv slash J
1: and i think um uh, that's about it for me what one more thing Go follow me on Twitter and check out my Final Fantasy video. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I uh, I did retweet it on the Nerd Cave Retro Twitter account.
1: I saw I saw the game and I said I I have to do it.
0: It's for all you Final Just Fantasy lovers out there.
1: <laughs> surprised I didn't get mugged when I left uh, that store. Uh-huh.
0: Um, but and that's it for me. And um, so, Derek, what do you say we get out of here? Let's do it. Uh, If I can get the music to play. There we go. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. Individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. Head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and get us back up to the $50 mark so we can give you guys an extra episode of our commentary track we love doing that so boost us back up there and also wherever you get the show at leave us a review that helps us out a lot so Derek please tell everyone what it's all about
1: may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce monkey